morning. This morning's text is uh, one you may have heard before. And it's one that you may have heard so many times that the tendency in penchant is to tune it out. It's that familiar. But I, I don't want you to do that. I want you to pay attention. My friends, today we are reading from the book of Genesis. And if, it's on your, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, it should be on page two. It's real easy to find. Page two. So turn in your Bible to page two. And we're going to read Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And then we're going to go down and read uh, chapter 3, 1 through verse 7. And there are stories that you'll know, but you really don't. I'll be so bold and say that. I want you to listen closely. Pick up something new. Hear the Spirit. Beginning with 2.15. Now, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may eat freely of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Slide on down to verse 3-1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, Oh, you'll not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened up, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave some to her husband who was also with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Old Louis Grizzard, former <laughs> writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he says, you know, there are two types of naked. you got naked and naked. Um, I think Adam and Eve saw themselves as naked in this sense. There, there is a lot in this text that you may not have picked up before. We're going to get to that. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, as we have said, and all the lectionary texts that are prepared for this morning um, deal with the issue of sin and temptation. 
Matthew's gospel, which Nick shared with the young people, deals with Jesus being left alone with the devil, being tempted out in the wilderness. Our Romans text from today, in Romans chapter uh, 5, uh, it talks about how sin enters into the world through a singular way, which we just read, and yet it is through Christ that sin exits the world in a certain way. And then we have our text today from Genesis. Today's story in Genesis gets to the root cause of temptation and sin. And perhaps, just perhaps, if we can better understand the root causes and temptation of temptation and sin, we'll have a better idea on how we can faithfully respond to it in our own lives. Now, for those of you who are theologians, how many of you are theologians? Oh, all of you are theologians. All of you have thoughts about God. All of you are theologians. So all of you theologians, we need to come to an understanding of what sin is in the first place and how our story from Genesis today outlines that. Okay? Now, thus far, the storyline in Genesis is pretty tight. God created the heavens of the earth, dun, 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 created humankind, boom. And what was humankind's sole purpose? Did you catch it? Thank you. We have one job. One job. Till the garden. Care for the earth. Care for the earth. We are given the purpose. The sole purpose of creation for humanity is to take care of the world. But we get distracted and we chase after our fancies instead of what we are called to do. And because we get distracted and chase after other items or other things that are frilly and pretty and exciting, we get a broken relationship with God. But ironically, it also creates a new relationship. As we break one relationship with God, it creates a new relationship with the anti-God, the serpent. And it also begins to mess with our overly developed sense of self-importance and pride. Because who needs God anymore? So our text today gives us a pretty good idea of what sin is all about. Sin is our willing violation of a boundary set by God for our behalf. You can't eat from everything in the garden but that one tree one boundary. Sin is personal. Eve ate the apple, proverbial apple. But sin is also social. She gave it to Adam. Adam joined with her in the broken relationship from God. And what does our text say? Um, so what our text says so well is, is the beauty, not the beauty, the subtlety of what sin is and what it's like. You see, we confuse sin as big ticket item sins. 
You know what those big ticket item sins are. You need to think about them. I mean, we can think about three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, when, when, when that guy, it could have been a gal, driving in that Porsche, decided to plow over and continue running after he hit them on A1A. In the middle of the night, just kept on going. We think it's axe murderers. We think it's horrible things. But my friends, the big ticket sins are pretty easy for us to shy away from. It's the seemingly innocuous ones that tend to get us into trouble. Let's look at our text. In verses 15 to 17, we see how God gives humanity just one job to do. You all have heard that expression. You had one job. And what was that job, remember? Till the soil, take care of the earth. To cultivate this earth that we have been given, to care for it. All we got to do is refrain from eating this one fruit. You know, we call it an apple, but it doesn't say in Scripture. It could be a cherry. It could be a plum. It could be a peach. We just call it an apple, but it's a, just a piece of fruit. And that was the only directive. Don't eat of this fruit from the tree of knowledge. We had one job, and we messed it up. Today, we have human waste in our rivers. We have warming of the world's oceans and Arctic seas. We have sea rise. And whether, I don't, doesn't matter if we're Republican, Democrat, whatever. The facts is facts. The water's coming. I could spend an entire sermon on how we have botched our one responsibility to care for the earth. As worldwide church members um, have, have forsaken our ethical demand for the earth in order to get ahead for ourselves and for our need. But that's another sermon. Suffice it to say that we had one boundary to respect in life from God, one job to do, and we messed it up. And the question I have is why? You know why we messed it up? We got distracted. We got distracted. Like a Labrador Retriever puppy. You ever seen a Labrador Retriever puppy? Hey, like a Labrador Retriever puppy, they have an attention span of a gnat. Okay? They're here one minute, boom, and then they're over here next minute, boom, they're over here the next minute. They cannot focus. They get distracted. Life is too much to take in. And they get distracted by little simple, innocuous things. And friends, that's just like us. In our everyday lives, we get distracted so easily. It's hard for us to keep our focus and attention. It's hard for us to stay zeroed in on God and God's purpose. Friends, what are the distractions in your life? I mean, after all, who would think that checking a text going up Federal Highway would cause vehicular homicide? 
or leaving the child in the car for just two minutes as I go into 7-Eleven. How would that... What's distracting us? What are the distractions of our life that pull our attention and our purposes off God's single purpose for life? We're all different. We all have different answers. Sliding down to Genesis 3.1, we see a second issue that generates and perpetuates sin and brokenness in our lives. Did you catch it? Doubt and suspicion. Doubt and suspicion. Verse 3.1 says, The serpent was more crafty than other animals. Another way that is translated is, The serpent was more subtle than the other animals. The serpent was able to twist things just a little. Seemingly innocuous ways to raise suspicion. It's a great reminder for us that sin is not just the big things, it's the little things. It's the subtle things that get us into deep, deep yogurt. So the serpent asks Eve. He doesn't lie to her. He just asks her a question. He says, so Eve, did God really say, really? That you should not eat from any tree in the garden? Really? And in that question, he sows suspicion of God. Well, maybe God didn't tell me that. Maybe I'm making it all up. And then Eve goes on to elaborate on God's directives. Not only shall we not eat it, we shouldn't touch it. Well, it doesn't say that in Scripture. Eve is extrapolating it as she goes along. Kind of gets the story better. The serpent, did you really hear God say that? Did you hear what the serpent did? He is sowing seeds of doubt. What led to humanity's fall from grace was not the act of eating the proverbial apple. What introduced the fall of grace for years and years and years in my mind was the original sin of original sin was pride, assuming to know the mind of God. And that is the result of the original sin that I realized as I looked at the text this week. The serpent, the original sin that we read of in Scripture is doubt. It's suspicion that God can't be trusted. That Eve, you can't really trust God to follow through on what God is talking about. Can you? Can you do that? That's all you're going to give? Really? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. See, the, the evil one takes the little pieces and blows it up, sows suspicion and doubt. And it's through this subtle interference and inference that God really can't be trusted that prompts people, you and me, to endeavor to go discover for ourselves the deep things of God on our own. We don't need God anymore because we don't trust God anymore. God's not necessary anymore because I can figure it out. Beloved, what are the voices you are hearing? 
asking you to subtly challenge the veracity and truthfulness of God? What are the underlying issues that cause you to have suspicion? Are there thoughts and feelings? Are they thoughts and feelings more about God, what God has done and not done in your life, or your own sense of disappointment that it didn't happen the way you wanted it? What causes you and me problems, my friends? Easily distracted. We turn our way, our eyes away from all that really matters. We get distracted, lose our focus. We begin to question the character and the stability of God. And this leads us to the consequences of brokenness and sin in our story. It's in verse 7. Verse 7 tells us that as a result of Adam and Eve's mistrust of God, the They attempted to know the mind of God by eating from the tree of knowledge, and the problem was they lacked the capability and the capacity to handle what they became aware of. They thought they knew, could know the mind of God and be okay, but you know what? They they couldn't. It overwhelmed them. It drowned their capacity. And this inadequacy that they felt when they realized, oh my gosh, I've eaten of the tree of knowledge. of, of You know, I can't handle it. The result was what? Shame. Shame is introduced into our story. Shame leads to alienation and separation from ourself and from others that we love. Even from God. Friends, whenever you feel shame, you know it is from the anti-God. It is from the serpent. Not guilt. Guilt, guilt I think, is, is not a bad thing. Guilt is an inner compass within us that reminds us to recalibrate our course on the true way of where we're supposed to go spiritually and ethically. Shame, however, is something totally else. Shame is this overwhelming sense of unworthiness that we are not worth the oxygen that we consume. Guilt has the opportunity to bring new life, new change. Shame brings death. Self, death of self, crippling self-absorption because I'm not worthy enough for anybody. Where is that shame exhibited in our scripture? Well, They knew they were naked. But sew some fig leaves together. They felt a sense of shame. My friends, this morning we come to the table prepared by Jesus, and we come because it's a reminder to keep our focus on that which really matters. It serves as a sign and as a reminder that God can be trusted. To do what God says and what, and to do for us that which we can't do ourselves. It's a meal whose power takes away our shame and fills us with the courage and the power and the assurance of God's presence in Jesus Christ. It's a meal that gives us a direction. 
You know, out of this woman's distraction, her suspicions of God, Eve hauntingly uses words Jesus uses centuries later. I don't know if you picked up on that. It hit me this week as I read this text. Did you hear hear what Eve did? She She took the food, gave it to her husband, and they ate. What does that sound like? And here through this table is a reversal of that brokenness. Jesus gives of himself for you, for me, for life. My friends, as we come today, let us refocus our focus on Jesus and let it be encouraging to us that we're eating with the Christ of God, the saints who have gone before us, and with the church. That is good news indeed, amen? Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, as we come this day, we thank you that you did not leave us alone and orphaned, that you uh, reversed the words of Eve, that you gave yourself to us, that we were to take you up, and that we are to eat of your body and drink of your blood. Lord, heal us by thy hand. O Lord, as we come this day, we pray that you would receive us into your presence and that we will be mystically lifted into the very presence of Jesus himself. And there as we look around the table, we see the saints of God that have gone before us. Our daddy, our mama, sisters and brothers, our spouses. Lord, lift us into the holy communion of the kingdom of God even now. Amen.